Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my host, co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, uh, we're waiting in Atlanta for uh, a snowmageddon that's never going to happen. How's the weather in the uh, northeast? Well, Governor Murphy last week called for a state of emergency last Friday, uh, shutting shutting down uh, the state. And uh, <laughs> Saturday, there was still no snow. So who knows? <laughs> I wish I had a job that I could be wrong almost all the time and get away with it. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to have a very interesting discussion today with Dr. Laura Cavuto, who is the Associate Professor of Industrial and Systems Engineering and a faculty expert on ergonomics with the University at Buffalo School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. She's here to discuss with us the fatigue research report for she was the lead principal investigator on that, and it's a three-year study funded by our friends at the American Society of Safety Professionals Foundation, looking at the value of wearable technology to reduce workplace fatigue. I think that's a great use of uh, technology. Uh, Dr. Cavuto, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see if uh, Lou can hear us. Lou, are you there with us? I had a little audio issue for the moment. Welcome to the show. So, uh, Dr. Cavuto, if you would share with the audience a little of your background and how you got involved in this very interesting uh, study with wearable technology. Yeah, sure. So, um, I started in the field of ergonomics about um, 12 or so years ago now uh, when I was a master's student at the University of Miami and then um, trained uh, more detailed in ergonomics when I was at Virginia Tech doing my PhD. And at that time, I started looking at the effects of the changing demographic in the workplace on um, some of the risks of injury uh, related to musculoskeletal disorders, so how factors like aging and obesity can influence um, endurance and strength and fatigue. And that got me into the fatigue area. And then as I've been a faculty member in Buffalo, started getting involved in looking at the use of technologies in different aspects. Um, We've been doing a number of studies related to um, movement and movement monitoring for rehabilitation and also um, in measurement in in different work environments. And that um, led to looking at the use of some similar technologies for uh, workplaces. And my collaborator, Figel McGayhead, and I, uh, when we started the study, it was a time when a lot of the sports teams um, were picking up on the use of wearables for tracking athlete training and devising mm. specialized training schedules for their athletes. And um, we saw the Buffalo Bills, for example, started using some technology, different college football teams. And so 
uh, that brought piqued our interest, and we looked into that further and said, how can we uh, look at similar technologies for um, the industrial environment? Fascinating. Uh, I had forgotten that the Buffalo Bills were, in fact, using wearable technology to look at athlete performance, and uh, that was uh, some very interesting things did come out of that. Yeah, it hasn't uh, um, panned out well for the Bills, though. <laughs> no, unfortunately it hasn't. I don't know if the Patriots use similar technology or not, but uh, somebody has done it well. So, Dr. Cavuto, what were the big takeaways that you were surprised by doing the study? Yeah, so I think um, what surprised us up front was how many people are affected by fatigue. So we knew it was a problem, but we didn't think it was going to be more than half of those that we surveyed that that said that they were feeling fatigued at, at work. And that we've um, come to see matches with some of the estimates from the National Safety Council and other groups in other domains. Um, the other piece that um, was surprising was that a lot of the changes we saw were in uh, walking, so small changes in how someone starts to walk. So even though our tasks weren't um, high-paced walking tasks, we were able to detect that there were changes in the walking pattern as someone went over an extended, uh, worked over an extended period in our laboratory tasks. And um, that gives us um, support that the sensors were able to pick up these differences as well, which, um, as I said, we didn't necessarily think that that was going to be the parameter that changed first. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'd like to sort of go backwards a little bit, uh, obviously this is a very important uh, topic uh, in the manufacturing of, you know, world, um, and obviously it's important to view the fact that you put in so much time, effort, and a lot of pages to this report, which, by the way, I want to mention to uh, our audience is that this report is going to be posted on our website, uh, uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio, MFGTalkRadio.com, and for WAM, uh, WomenAndManufacturing.com. It is an important topic. It's something that you all should know about. One of the things that I, I in, in reading the report, I, I, I missed, and I, and I hope you can give me some insight, how many people get hurt in this country every year? How many people die on the job because of issues that you have found in your report? Yeah, so I don't have specific numbers on the direct link from fatigue to the fatality numbers or fatigue to the worker injury numbers. Um, in terms of fatalities, a lot of the motor vehicle accidents that happen that lead to fatalities have been attributed to human issues, and and I believe NHTSA has put out some reports relating those back to driver inattention, which uh, is tied with fatigue. Uh, but we didn't look at that aspect. Um, on the on the workplace injury side, fatigue is a mechanism for many overexertion injuries. Um, so. As your muscles start to become tired, you place additional strain on them, which can lead to uh, cumulative disorders of the, mus of the musculoskeletal system. And overexertion injuries are 
um, at least from the workers' compensation side, one of the leading costs um, and leading um, factors uh, for workplace in or types of workplace injuries that are experienced. But I don't have a specific. I can't tie a specific number to that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Cavuto, I was interested to read in your report where some of the uh, largest corporations were the least likely to apply wearable technology to find uh, workplace fatigue because they didn't feel that there was enough benefit as opposed to the amount of cost reduction they would get and maybe overlooking some of the uh, related uh, amplifications of fatigue, such as injury or even uh, a workplace death. Um, now that you have the study in place and you've determined uh, the relationship with uh, motion and workplace fatigue, is it developed enough now, based on your research, that people can look at that and go, okay, what do we do to fix it? How do we uh, uh, adapt for or adjust for workplace fatigue? So I think one aspect that, that's kind of still needed next is that field-based um, validation. So our study, while we were able to show it on the 25 participants that we had wearing the sensors and doing typical manufacturing work, um, I think the evidence that's uh, needed for those companies to have better buy-in is that we have to show in in a facility that we were able to detect changes, and then from those changes, we could implement an intervention and then evaluate the effectiveness of that intervention using the data. So I think there's there's one more step needed before it's ready for full-scale implementation by a large number of people, or maybe a few steps there needed before that. Okay. And a lot of the study is dealing with repetitive motion. Is that correct? Yes. And so, you know, one of the areas that robotics and automation looks at is repetitive motion work. Does uh, this start to lean towards here are opportunities to replace humans uh, because we can measure the productivity of these repetitive motion jobs and maybe those are the next ones that we automate? So I think that's um, maybe where some of the concern came in with the implementation of wearables um, is how is the data going to be used and whether it would be used for tracking productivity. And I would encourage that we don't use it to track productivity. Um, but that is a kind of tempting thing for management to try to look at um, in terms of monitoring. Uh, but the tasks themselves a lot of times are challenging to automate because they require a lot or they have a lot of variability or complexity to the motions. So while they're mm. repetitive, it might be that you're changing product lines regularly. And so as you're changing those product lines, you'd have to have different, you know, setups for the automation and, and maybe the automation can't or isn't at a state yet where it can accommodate the, the complexity of the tasks that need to perform, that need to be performed. Because if, um, if there's not a lot of um, 
kind of regular components to the task, and it's hard at this point to put in that, that robotic solution. Sure. So the, the study was really focused on uh, recording uh, fatigue-related uh, inefficiencies for a word, if you will. Is that, was that the purpose of the study, was to demonstrate that, in fact, fatigue had a direct impact on productivity? Um, so we didn't look at productivity. So we controlled in our work the the overall throughput of the task. So we controlled the productivity that the person had to achieve. Um, so we're looking at how they met that productivity target. And our aim was to see could we identify uh, inefficiencies in how they did that. And those might be indicators of where we would need to put in some intervention in terms of minimizing injury risk. Um, and our tasks were um, still only three hours. So while they could maintain the productivity for that three hours, maybe over a longer period you would see some productivity declines. Okay. Is, is there any um, uh, long-term benefit with regards to a company that uh, might take a serious look at uh, research findings for tracking risk, uh, risk activities or risk behavior where they might actually wind up being uh, certified or rated and such where they would actually receive, uh, let's say, reduced costs on uh, injury insurance, uh, for example. You know, if you have a, a thousand employees, how many people are uh, being affected by uh, fatigue, uh, uh, injury, and so on and so forth? Is there a potential use of this type of a report to be able to benefit financially and lower costs of insurance? That could be one direction. I know that a number of the workers' compensation insurance providers um, work with their um, insured companies to try to improve ergonomics, um, and they have a number of different ergonomics programs dependent on the provider. And so this I could envision that this could be, you know, a component of one of those uh, down the line, similar to how workplace wellness programs um, implement different types of tracking and, uh, you know, fitness um, aspects to do incentives related to health insurance. Um, so it's not at that stage yet, but I think that could be a direction where it would go. So if you could document that you've reduced the risk to your employees, uh, maybe there's a certain incentive program related to your insurance. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a real thought there. And also uh, health care in itself. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you wind up with a back injury as a result of, uh, you know, turning the wrong way or awkward postures in your um, various functions that one has to perform, uh, if you can get rid of these things, uh, I think that uh, notifying your insurance people as to what you've done uh, could be a big benefit not only to the employee, uh, but the companies themselves. Yeah. And that's where I think going forward, and uh, NIOSH has 
suggested this concept of total worker health, right? And this framework for looking more broadly at the worker um, health and well-being and kind of marrying what's traditionally been under safety and what's traditionally been under more of the, the health and wellness policies and right, bringing those together so that we have a more unified framework for um, thinking about our, our workplace um, and our workers. So, Dr. Cavuto, where does industry uh, use this study? Well, you know, you've gone through a great deal of research and compiled a lot of data. Is it, and we talked about this a bit earlier, that it, it may not be uh, a large enough sample yet for broad-based execution, but where does industry begin to use this this information? Yeah, so I think what it lays out is a framework for which we can think about fatigue in the workplace. Right? So we, um, and I think as a company, you would first want to think about, is fatigue a problem in my organization? So now we're bringing some awareness to the issue and companies can look internally and say, you know, what types of injuries and incidents are we experiencing? And could fatigue be a problem leading to those? And if so, what type of fatigue? Because there are different types and different contributing factors. Right? So it might be more related to shift schedule and sleep, or it might be related to the physical work that's being performed. Right? So we give that framework of, of um, thinking about how to look at fatigue as an issue in the workplace. And um, then kind of provides the, the framework then provides companies with a way of thinking about how they can go about measuring or understanding where fatigue is a problem and how it's affecting their workers so that they can um, use that in designing either revised workplaces, uh, workstations, or other interventions that might be in place. Because I think what um, we lay out is that with the data, data by itself isn't sufficient, but data can lead us to a better um, understanding of a situation, which is powerful for the organization, so that they can understand when, where, and how fatigue is impacting their worker, so that you can identify solutions um, specific to that workplace. Um, I have a question regarding uh, in the employers and employees with any specific uh, concerns that either group might have in wearing uh, uh, wearables to determine uh, the issues that we've been discussing. Are there any negatives, feedback that you get from employees or employers? Yeah, so I think the main concern um Related to the wearables is privacy and understanding on the uh, so and this is from safety professionals in the organization. What they expressed was the main concern was privacy. Um, in that, employees want to know how the data is going to be used, so that um, they can be clear that it's not that it's for the safety purposes and not something else. I think the other concerns um, that were expressed were related to 
compliance as well as durability of the sensors, so compliance in terms of wearing them properly or using them properly, and then durability. So in many manufacturing facilities, they're, they're going to encounter, the sensors would encounter uh, some difficult environmental conditions, whether that be temperature-related or just being, you know, kind of banged around a little bit, and can the, the systems hold up to that type of wear and tear on a regular basis? Um, so those were the leading three um, concerns that were expressed. We're going to be back with Dr. Laura Cavuto here in a minute, right after a uh, brief word from our friends at Thomas. We'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we are back with Dr. Laura Cavuto, who is with the University at Buffalo. And she is speaking about a research report that she did on fatigue in the workplace. And Dr. Cavuto, I wanted to ask you about um, the actual uh, study itself, if it could be skewed by the fact that I didn't sleep well last night. And I'm a study participant. Yeah, so we did ask all of our participants to complete a questionnaire at the start of the study. And the, they came three times, so at the start of each time that they came. And uh, we then used their self-reported um, sleep uh, information, which is based on a standardized questionnaire. We used that to see if there was any influence of that information on their performance, and we didn't find any significant effect. Really? That's surprising. I would think that if I didn't sleep well last night, I wouldn't be as spot on at the job as if I had a good night's sleep. That's an interesting outcome. Well, I think um, because our study was a controlled duration, and also um, one component here is that we used each individual as their own baseline to start. Right. So we were looking for changes so if you were participating in the study, we would measure you across the whole period that you were in the study, and we looked at changes from your start to your end. Right? So if you didn't sleep well, it would be kind of present in your baseline, and then we'd see did you degrade or change further from that baseline. So where to from here? I know our friends at the uh, American Society for Safety Professionals, the foundation funded this, and they're very interested in the outcome. Uh, where to from here with the study? Do you see a next step? 
Yeah, so I think um, our immediate next steps are working towards um, some of that field evaluation that I was mentioning where we're going to look at um, how we uh, – data collected in different types of work environments for different types of tasks and look at whether – uh, the similar models or the same models um, are able to identify changes in those cases. And I think um, the other next step is looking at the intervention side. So what options do we have for intervention? And then how can we determine the parameters of those interventions and the effectiveness? Um, so the, at this point, if we can detect that you're fatigued, we have limited options from the research literature on safety interventions. And so now that we can uncover some of these issues, we can help establish what are evidence-based interventions. And, and just curious, Dr. Cavuto, I know that you've had a lot of work over the years. Where did you get the idea of using wearable technology for the study? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, so I like I mentioned, it was primarily from my collaborator, Fidel McGayhead, who um, was a big sports fan and, and looked at those, um, had been following the, the implementation in athletics. And mm -hmm. so I think uh, he really drove that component. And and then it, it seemed like a, the perfect timing in terms of their – um, has been a growing interest in the ergonomics domain about using wearables for tracking things like uh, postures, risky postures, and providing feedback to workers about back postures, for example. Um, so the, a movement in the um, health and safety uh, research uh, practice uh, moving in that direction as well. Interesting. Well, we certainly appreciate, Dr. Cavuto, you coming on and sharing your study with us. As Lou mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are going to have a link to that complete study along with the player on mfgtalkradio.com when we post that so that everyone can actually get to the full study itself. And we want to thank the American Society for Safety Professionals, the Foundation for Funding Your Study, uh, and we look forward to future work that you do in this area. We want to thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for having me. It's been a great time. Thank, thank you for joining us. We appreciate that. Yep. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that was Dr. Laura Cavuto, who is with the uh, University at Buffalo. She is an associate professor of industrial and systems engineering and a faculty expert on ergonomics. And she did a three-year study that was funded by the American Society of Safety Professionals Foundation, looks, looking at the, the value of wearable technology to reduce workplace fatigue. Interesting study, interesting outcomes. We certainly look forward to how that affects uh, productivity in the future. I think it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Lou, I, I uh, am looking forward to all of the other things that are happening at Manufacturing Talk Radio, including, by the way, for our listeners, a closer working relationship with the American Society of Safety Professionals. Uh, yes, that's true. It's, and we also have uh, uh, new shows coming up. Uh, we've actually launched a third show uh, with uh, Chris uh, Waldman, who's doing manufacturing 
Matters, uh, and uh, that's going to be a uh, ongoing show. We've actually got about seven or eight other shows in development. And just to quote you of something you said to me this morning, when you said, "Hey, Ollie, how are we going to do all of this?" And <laughs> if you noticed, I ignored your communication. Yeah, we uh, we've got a lot on our plate, and we look forward to getting them launched so that we can get more information out to the manufacturing marketplace. So if you would like more information to listen to any of our prior shows or this show or any of the other information articles that appear, they are at nfgtalkradio.com. Or if you're interested in women in manufacturing, we have some great interviews there at womenandmfg.com. We invite you to go to those two websites and dig in. Lots of great information. We appreciate you being here today with Manufacturing Talk Radio and Lou. Yeah, I have just one point uh, that I'd just like to bring up. You know, we've been doing Manufacturing Talk Radio now for five years, so we're doing WHAM uh, for just over a year. And not including WHAM, we just broke through the million download mark. Uh, we are now, as of today, at 1,012,000, uh, which no matter how you count those numbers, they're big numbers. So tune in to see why so many people are listening to us and enjoying the information that we have for you. That's it. Just one of this self-advertising. Yeah, right. Well, it's a great it's a great milestone to have hit. We're very pleased that we have uh, a lot of people downloading the show and listening to it. Uh, we actually have. It's interesting because we looked at the statistics and we did our very first show with ba- Brad Holcomb on November fourth of twenty thirteen. And every once in a while in the statistics, that show pops up that somebody downloaded it and listened yeah, to right. it. So, right, you know, the right. library is working and people are using it. So once again, everyone, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we'll be back on Friday when the ISM number gets released for January 2019. Be an interesting number to see. Again, thanks for joining us. Bye for now. Bye now. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.